So here we are again, sermon time. I'm just going to do a very quick quiz to see how, how you're going with the subject of uh, the book of Isaiah. So we've got uh, a couple of questions here. Because of COVID, I can't give you a lolly, so bad luck. <laughs> who is Isaiah? The first question. Who is? Just shout it out. Who is Isaiah? Prophet. Very good. What does a prophet do? He's a messenger from God. That's more or less what you said. Who receives the messages from Isaiah the prophet? Who? What people? People of God. The Jews mainly. Yeah, the people of God in the Old Testament. That's that's not bad. You've done all right. What's the main theme so far that we've got up to chapter 25? What's the main theme, do you reckon, in your, in your opinion? What's that, sorry? Yeah. Judgment. Thank you very much. That's it. That's what it's been really, hasn't it? 24 chapters of judgment from God. That was the message. Now, you remember, of course, the majority of the prophets that are in the Old Testament, uh, speak to the Jews, the people of God at that time. And of course, we, we've already noticed that there are other nations mentioned, but that's only in reference, you know, to things that will happen to them that God wanted to convey to the Jews. It also mentions uh, current events, so some of the judgments that they'll be, they'll be uh uh, enduring uh, because of what they're doing at the time, the nation of Israel, the people of God are doing at the time, contrary to the will of God. And uh, sometimes those uh, events are, uh, you know, a few years in, in, you know, in the future, sometimes 70 years in the future, and sometimes there are future events in the distant future, you know, like a long, long, long time into the future. I'm going to show you Oh, there we are. I should have had that. I'm going to show you a couple of these little uh, charts here. Now, this is really old, all right? Really old, but very, very helpful. This is uh, drawn up by a man called Clarence Larkin, all right? And uh, this is this is a. I find these really, really helpful for me. I don't know about you guys, but I find it really helpful because he he is able to draw. And, and, and a drawing that explains all the very complex things about the Bible. Really hard stuff. And here, it's the, it's, he calls this the mountain peaks of prophecy. And I reckon it's just brilliant. See, here's the prophet. Right? And this is what he sees. Well, this is what's revealed to him. This is what he writes about. Huh? That's what we're trying to learn. But all this other stuff in here. See, in there, and in there, and in there, he knows nothing about. Some of us today know a little bit more about it because it's been revealed to us in the New Testament. But I reckon that's fascinating. I really do. Because, you see, while Isaiah, I'm not saying that him, but he represents, this man represents all the uh, all the prophets, while he sees different things God shows him, he mentions them. And, you know, we have... Here's one, a reference in Isaiah 53 that we read quite often about Calvary. So they see that, they see all sorts of things. But you see, 
You notice here, he says, the prophets do not see this. The prophets never saw anything about the church, about you and me. So they couldn't write about it. It's a mystery to them. So while the prophets saw things in the future, they didn't see everything. God has never given us every detail about anything. Do you realise that? Even though this is the word of God and the details in there are supremely important and should be very um, uh, carefully studied, we don't have the detail to everything. And I know it's very frustrating. I get frustrated over it as well. But look, God's been doing that for a long time. Okay? So we're up to Isaiah chapter 25. Now 25 is in the middle of 20. And yeah, and and twenty-seven, right in there. Brilliant, eh? But see, those those chapters are called Isaiah's apocalypse. So, let me explain that a little bit. Isaiah mostly talks about the judgments. So far, we've had the judgment of Israel and Judah in chapters one to twelve. And then we've had the judgments of the nations. Now, I know you know that because I spoke to you about that from chapters 13 to 23. And now we're into a section of, of the judgment of the entire world. A little bit different than the nations, the entire world, the whole, the whole earth. And that's the, the chapters 24 to 27. And, and commentators call it Isaiah's apocalypse. So if it wasn't, if it hasn't, if you thought it was been bad up until now, it's going to get worse. Now we may know it a little bit better or more familiar with the term the last days. So this is what this, this uh, chapter is referring to, the last days. Now you know about those. It's in the New Testament. The Lord spoke about them many times. The apostles spoke about them many times. The apostle Paul, the apostle Peter. And we have a whole book at the end of our New Testament, the book of Revelation, where the apostle John talks about the last days. So, Isaiah is talking about stuff that's happening here. Right? Even though he's miles and miles away from it. The last days are a very significant uh, time in the nations of Israel's history. In fact, you get the impression that it's going to be a great time for them because when the Lord was here, what was the constant question? When? When is the kingdom coming? When are you going to set up the kingdom? They're, str- they're looking forward to this spectacular time. Little do they realise what the prelude to that kingdom involves. They anticipated it. They, they were looking forward to it. They were keen to have it come along. Oh, I missed that scroll. Here's the next one. All right. Now, this is a very, very interesting chart. I find this very helpful. I hope you do too. This is about the Jews. The Jews, Jews Jewish history can be, can be uh, divided up into three parts. Past, present, future. All right. There's a lot of detail there, but some really interesting stuff. You see, Isaiah 
25 is somewhere just around here. Okay? But chapter 25 talks about stuff that's happening here. That's a long, that's a long period of history, don't you think? That's, that's a big view, big view. Now I want to also point out, I've got to point out something else to you, that as I did see the, the, the Lord coming, and he talked about the Lord being rejected, and we know that happened. So that's happened. So the Jews now find themselves in this part here, the present. And the big thing in the present age is the church. That's you and me here at Monty this morning. And it's a big thing in the New Testament, the church of God, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the bride of Christ. And you don't, you don't seem to hear much about Israel, but you can see from this picture that they're still going through. That's the line of Israel, the nation of Israel. They're scattered. The ten tribes have gone. But they'll return. Now, Isaiah 25 is here, isn't it? I told you that. So you notice that there's a little, it doesn't actually intersect, there's a little bit of a line kissing the tribulation and the church. That's really important that we know that, notice that this morning because that's where Isaiah 25 starts. It talks about this. It's got nothing, absolutely nothing to do with you and me this morning. Absolutely nothing. But I'm going to tell you something really interesting. You see this little bit here where it kisses it? That could be you and me this morning. We are that close. We are that close to the Lord coming again. It could be us here. And when he comes, this is, this is where all the believers, all the people that believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, they go all the way up, meet the Lord in the air. And then there's a few other things that are really interesting for us, but we're not talking about them this morning. Come and talk to me later about it. Happy to tell you this. And if anyone wants these charts, a copy of these charts, let me know. I'll email it to you or send a message. But this morning, my task is to share with you, let me just get the next slide, the meaning of salvation. Now, not the salvation that you and I are familiar with, right? but the meaning of salvation that we have here in chapter 25 of the book of Isaiah. Now, you've seen all that history thing that I just showed you, yeah? When I was given this topic, I read through it, I thought, this is, this is, not, this is going to be challenging. But I was really excited, the fact, Kat, that I was going to be, I have license, I have an actual, an opportunity to talk about the meaning of a word. That's, that's the whole sermon. How excited was I? Anyway. So I did find, I did find, uh, did look up the word in the dictionary and there's three main things that we're going to look at about the salvation that's mentioned in Isaiah 25. First of all, salvation means it's the act of saving or, and this is important, you've got to keep this in your mind, protecting. It's the act of saving or protecting from harm, risk, loss or destruction. Protecting, right? One. The second one is the state of being saved, the actual 
process or the event of being saved or protected from harm. That's very important. And then also salvation, uh, the meaning of salvation is the source, the source or the cause or the means of being saved or protected from harm and risk. So those three things we're going to look at this morning in chapter 25 because that's what it's talking about. It's talking about the, the actual protecting, the source and the being protected. So when you... Thank you, Cynthia, for the reading. That was excellent reading, great reading. But did you notice the very first part of Isaiah 25? Isaiah there, and it's a song, so Isaiah, you know, he's singing this. He's singing and he's exalting and praising God for his salvation. Now, hang on a second. Right up until chapter 25, all Isaiah's been going on about is judgment. Do we realise that? Do we realise? So, so, so what salvation is he talking about? What, what salvation has, has the people of Israel experienced? The first 24 chapters of Isaiah are just about judgment. To understand to understand chapter 25 and to understand what salvation is being referred to, have to just go back a few verses into chapter 24. And I'm going to do that for you right now. Because we, we didn't read this and we haven't looked at it as a church, but it says there in chapter 24, verse 1, See, the Lord is going to waste, lay waste the earth and devastate it. He will ruin its face and scatter its inhabitants. It will be the same for priest as for people, for master as for servant, for mistress as for maid, for seller as for buyer, for borrower as for lender, for debtor as for creditor. The earth will be completely laid waste and and totally plundered. The Lord has spoken this word. The earth dries up and withers. The world languishes and withers. The the exalted of the earth languish. The earth will be defiled by its people. And they they have disobeyed the law, violated the statutes and broken the everlasting covenant. Therefore, a curse consumes the earth. Its people must bear their guilt. Therefore, the earth's inhabitants are burnt up and very few are left. That's a pretty devastating description, would you agree? Absolutely devastating. Now, most of the judgments that Isaiah has predicted have occurred. Some didn't occur in his lifetime, but they have just about all occurred. When you look through just a little bit here, all these things that are happening to them are in there. And then the scattering, AD 70... And then, and then the, the, the loss of the ten tribes. And then this part here, Jacob's trouble. All these things have, have happened. But this event here, this event here has not happened yet. So Isaiah has predicted something. Well, not predicted. He, no, that's, that's the wrong word, isn't it? He hasn't predicted. He has, he has what? 
given us the message from God about a future event. That's what he's doing. It's a devastating event. It says in verse 1 that, that the earth has been devastated and laid waste. Now, we've had world wars. We're, we're, in, we're in the, the throes of a pretty bad pandemic at the moment. But it's nothing like what it's going to be like. In verse 2, we read there that there are absolutely no exemptions. Sometimes I feel, I feel that perhaps there is no COVID here in Australia. We live here in Australia. It, it's, it's pretty good here. But then all you've got to do is have a look at the news, don't you? Look at what's happening throughout the world. So even in a, in a time of war, a world war, most people don't notice it or, or experience it. In a pandemic, there are some countries that are devastated and some who aren't. So there are exemptions, but not in this judgment there won't be. No, no exemption at all. Uh, I find verse 5 in chapter 24, I, I would like you to have a look at it and think about it uh, later on in the day or during the week. Verse 5 gives, God gives the reason, the reason for this judgment of all the earth and all of the inhabitants of the world. What does it say? It said, he humbles those who dwell on high. He lays the loft... No, sorry, wrong, wrong chapter, wrong chapter. Ooh, flipped I flipped over without realising it. Here we go. Verse 5. The earth is defiled by its people. They have disobeyed... Listen to this. They have disobeyed the laws. They have violated the statutes and broken the everlasting covenant. Do you know why I mentioned to you that we could be... This church, Monty, we could be just here... Because that's just before the judgment, just before this judgment happens. Because, brothers and sisters, that's what we've done as, as a human race. We have, we have disobeyed the laws of God. I'm not talking about just the religious laws, but the natural laws that God has set in place. Remember we talk about how God controls things? The things that, that we, we, are, we are saying are good are not good. The things that we are making legal, God says they're unlawful. And here it says that, that they are violating the everlasting covenant. You know, things that God has set in, in place, rules and laws and, and things that are what we would call natural laws, we're saying are no longer valid. We will do our own thing. We are going against the Creator of all these things, who has set things in a certain way. And God says in chapter 24, enough, enough. Brothers and sisters, when I look around, when I look around, we have got to be here. We've just got to be there. The stuff that we're teaching our kids in school, the laws that we are passing. I remember when the, the, the gay marriage debate was on, a, a Christian brother said to me, oh, Raph, it doesn't matter if it... Because uh, I was a bit distressed about it, but he said, it doesn't matter if it, if it happens, Raph. The sky won't fall in. Brothers and sisters, it's not the sky falling in we have to worry about. It's chapter 24 of Isaiah we have to worry about. But I praise God that I won't be there. I'll be travelling up there. I've got enough to worry about up here 
than to worry about what happens down there. So, chapter 25, we can see the people of Israel. There they are, they're travelling along this route. And while we're up here, you can see that has nothing to do with what's happening down here. You'll notice that this line here, that's the line of Israel, they're going straight through. They're going through Jacob's trouble. The nation of Israel will be going through the tribulation. The tribulation. I know you all know, all know about it. Everyone's keenly fascinated by what happens in the tribulation. But let me tell you, the nation of Israel, the Jews go through it. And they survive. That is the salvation that Isaiah is talking about here. All right? They survive the tribulation. God is the source of their what? Protection. Remember that, that meaning? The source of that protection. And while they're going through the tribulation, it is awful, the tribulation. It is absolutely horrendous. God is protecting them. Protecting, keeping them safe from harm. Remember that, that definition? And as we go through Isaiah, we'll see how all of a sudden they recognise that the source of the protection that they've always sought and the favour that they've always wanted comes from God himself. And that's what chapter 25 is all about. He says in verse 1, You are my God. Lord, O oh Lord, you are my God. Isaiah here is singing a song of praise. You know, Isaiah always knew about God, but he's singing on behalf of the nation of Israel. They all recognise, they all know, they all acknowledge that he is Lord and they're God. They're not doing that now. They're not doing it now. But they will then. They will then. And he says something really strange. I find this really strange. He says, you have done marvellous things. Now, you know, we just read chapter 24. What marvellous things is Isaiah talking about? Well, Isaiah had the privilege to glimpse, to just glimpse. Remember? Remember, they only see parts of it. They only just glimpsed what uh, God was doing. The word marvellous means to cause great wonder, extraordinary, incredible. And, and, and Isaiah saw what God was going to do in, in righteousness, in holiness. Before that, it was all judgment. And everyone thought it was because they had done wrong things that they were being judged. But, but Isaiah now sees why God has to do that. It's a little bit like John the Apostle in Revelation. You know, when John saw the tribulation, when John saw those judgments, when John saw what God had to do, he was in awe. He was in awe. He wasn't horrified. He was in awe. And this is the same situation here. And I like what it says in verse uh, 1, that there, there at, the, at the, for the last sentence, it says, things planned long ago. Oh, hang on, I'm a bit behind Things planned long ago. You know, 
why should we take note of that? Kat, I really appreciated that uh, second song today. Spoke a lot about this. Thank you for sharing that with us. I hadn't heard it before, but, you know, God started a work with the nation of Israel way back, way back. In fact, before they were a nation of Israel. And he called Abraham. And although there were a few, <laughs> a few hiccups, a lot, there were a few issues with the nation, they didn't actually go along with it uh, 100%. God never gave up on them. And why am I thrilled about that? Because that's how it is with me. God loved me. He saved me. And I didn't cooperate all the time with him. I still don't. Now, that's not a good example, girls. It really isn't, all right? But he has never given up on me. Because God has started a work in me. And he's working on it. It hasn't finished yet. Some of you would say he's got a long way to go. Perhaps, perhaps you're right. But he will bring it to completion. It says so in the Bible. And it's true for you as well. And it's true for this nation here as well. God had planned this long ago. And he'd given, he'd given the people of Israel, the prophets, to give them, give them a glimpse of what's going to come, to give them hope, to give them encouragement to keep on going because sometimes that little work that's being done in your life, it's a little bit difficult. You know, there's an edge there that really needs to be ground back, polished up. Sometimes it's painful, but it needs to be done. But don't worry, he says to me. Don't worry, Raph. There's glory to come. Meet the Lord Jesus face to face. I'm looking forward to that day. And here Isaiah has come to the realisation, right? He's come to the realisation that what the Israelites were taken up on, taken up with, the millennial kingdom, the thousand year reign, the kingdom that they were promised, that they would rule over the whole world. Isaiah says, it was planned long ago. And here it is. That diagram I showed you, it's got a picture of that. It's got a picture of them starting the rule. They start the thousand-year millennial reign ruling over the nations. It's a great testimony that God's promises are amen. In other words, they'll be completed. They'll be fulfilled. They'll be kept no matter how long a time, go, a time span goes by. In verse 3, is really interesting. Verse 3 talks about how the, the, the proud and the powerful nations, they will all honour and revere him. You know, you know what I was thinking about? I was thinking about China and Russia. You know why? Why do you think I was thinking about them? They're powerful, but they're, all, they're communists. What do communists believe? No God. The communists believe there is no God in heaven. It tells me here, they're going to honour him, they're going to revere him. And the Lord told us too, didn't he, that every knee will bow at the name of Jesus. 
That's the millennial kingdom, brothers and sisters. This is what Isaiah saw. Any wonder he's, he's singing, yeah? The commies, the communists will all honour and revere. And not just the communists, all the people who have said to you, oh, there's no God. They will be honouring and revering him as well. But I was thinking particularly of those, those two countries. Very, very, very powerful countries. Finally, everyone will acknowledge him. Everyone. Even the Jews. Because brothers and sisters, the Jews do not acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord. And who's coming back? Who's coming back to start up the millennial kingdom? The one that they pierced. The one that they crucified. I find it's fascinating how how in the scriptures God never blames the Romans for crucifying Jesus Christ. Never blamed them. They did it. <laughs> Got the cross, nailed the Lord to it. Lifted it up, dropped it into the socket, watched him die. But they were never blamed for it. Who was blamed for it? The Jews. They rejected Jesus the Messiah that was promised. But they will honour and revere him. Everyone will do that. And verses 6 to 8, which we, we read of a banquet. Oh, hang on. We read of a banquet. And the banquet is for all peoples, Jews and Gentiles, celebrate the overthrow of evil, of injustice, of corruption. And in verses 7 and 8, our worst enemy, the worst enemy of, of humans, of humankind, death. They celebrate the end of death. God takes away death. And he wipes away the tears. It says there, it wipes, wipes away the tears that death brings. You know, we, we mentioned perhaps being Mother's Day, your mum may not be here. My mum's not here. She's gone. It's sad when you think about it, you know. When I go and visit the, the tomb and, and, you know, change the flowers and that as, as a good son does, I look at a picture, there's a little picture of her on the, on the tomb and I get emotional even after all this time. Death brings grief. But death will be done away with and so will the grief. And, you know, it's really interesting that that's... Uh, that that's Mentioned in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, the wiping away of all the tears. That's when it will happen. And in Revelation 21, you read about that as well. Isaiah gives us a little glimpse here, doesn't he? He gives us a little glimpse of what it's going to be like. And then he talks also mentions in that little passage, those few verses, the removal of the disgrace. In some, in some uh, versions of the scriptures, it's the rebuke. Removes the rebuke of his people. Now, that's not you and me. It's the nation of Israel. The Jews will be restored to their uh, intended place before their rejection of Christ. This is, what, this is what God intended for the nation of Israel at the very start, back in Deuteronomy, chapters 28 of Deuteronomy. I'm going to read you a couple of verses. I want you to listen really, really carefully what it says. This was what God had planned. And uh, I did write that down. Yeah, uh, and 3,000 
570 years to date, it still hasn't quite happened, it hasn't been fulfilled, but it will be fulfilled. This, listen to this. Deuteronomy chapter 28. This is, this is God speaking before the nation. If you fully obey the Lord your God carefully and carefully follow all his commands I give you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. All these blessings will come upon you and according to you if you obey the Lord your God. The reason that the nation of Israel are where they are today is because they haven't done that. Perhaps if we don't receive the blessings that God intends for us to have today here at Monty, it may be because we're not obeying all the things that he has asked us to do, perhaps. And in verse uh, uh, 13 of chapter 28 of Deuteronomy, just just to reinforce, just to emphasise, listen to what it says there, if you pay attention to the commands of the Lord your God that I give you this day and carefully follow them, you will always be at the top, never at the bottom. Do not turn aside from any of my commands I give you today to the left or to the right, following other gods and serving them. Brothers and sisters, that's not just Israel's plight, it's humanity's plight. The reason that we have so much pain and suffering in the world, the inequality, the famine, the violence, is because we have turned away. We have turned to this way and that way, to our own way instead of God's way. Verse 9, verse 9, it says there, in that day, oh no, sorry, the, the Lord the Lord has spoken. That's the last bit in that little section. The Lord has spoken. Isn't that, isn't that a brilliant little phrase? I love that. The Lord has spoken. You know, it's not the preacher. It's not even Isaiah. It's not a famous commentator or a religious leader. It's the Lord has spoken. And if you notice in that reference that we read in chapter 24, you know that judgment that we, that's going to come, that big judgment that we showed you on the chart? At the end of verse 3, what did it say? The Lord has spoken this word. So it's really important that we take note of these things. There is a God. We believe in this God. And he has spoken not just to the Jews, but to you and me here at Montmorency today. In that day, in that day, verse 9, in that day they acknowledge the source of their salvation. Everybody knows it, the Jews in particular. They acknowledge God as the, the author and the source of their salvation from the tribulation. He, they acknowledge as their divine protector in verse 10. He protected. If you read through that, you'll see that, that there seemed to be something just, you know, protecting them. A little bit like back in the day in Gosham, you know? All those plagues that were happening. To, have you ever wondered how come those frogs never went to Gosham? You know, never happened in Gosham, right? A bit like that. 
God will acknowledge uh, and they will acknowledge that this salvation that the Jews are enjoying today has been on offer for 3,571 days. No, not that many. It's been on offer since AD 1, since the Lord Jesus came and died on the cross. The salvation of God is on offer today, still, to anyone who believes. And in that day, the self-pride will be judged and will have nothing. They'll acknowledge that they were relying on themselves. The material possessions, the wealth and the status that they thought was important will be dissolved. And the military powers, you know, the alliances that were so important to the nation of Israel will mean nothing because none of that survives the judgment of God. In the tribulation, all just goes. We sang, we sang at the start of the, just before we came and and opened up God's word, we sang, salvation belongs to our God. Salvation belongs to our God. Thanks again for selecting that, it was really good, appreciate it. So who can save us? Who can save us from... Who can save us from the awful judgment of a holy and righteous and sin-hating God? A God who hates pride, who hates greed, who hates violence, who hates immorality, who hates what we are doing to other human beings... Who have, who have disobeyed the laws and violated and broken the everlasting covenant. Who can save us from a God like that? No one. No one can save us from a God like that apart from God himself. Have you got that? That's very, very important. I'm going to leave you with that thought. You know, Someone, I didn't quite see who it was, but someone is going to tell you that in Isaiah 63 verse 1, Isaiah himself says that. That God is the God, not of judgment, although he'll do that, but what Isaiah highlights is that God is mighty to save. That's what God wants to do. He has to judge He must judge. He can't let all this go unnoticed. He has to do that. But he wants to save. He wants to save. God himself came in the form, in a human form, in in, in a body, and we recognise that as, as him coming as Jesus Christ to be the saviour of the world, to be our saviour. Now, I just wonder, I just wonder, here's a verse for you to just to go away with. I just wonder, do you have a saviour? What is the meaning of salvation? Do you have someone that, that can protect you from the judgment that's to come? Do you have someone who, who, who is watching over you now? while all this stuff's happening happening around about, offering you protection through his word, through his spirit, through his 
his teaching and guidance? Do you have that sort of protection now? I wonder. Do you have a saviour? And do you have this saviour in particular? Or are you just as foolish as the Jews who thought, you know, oh, I'm good enough, I've got plenty of money, lots of property, doing okay. I know some pretty influential friends. Not gonna, not gonna, it's not going to cut it. Jesus Christ. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name given to mankind by which we must be saved. Is he your saviour now?